This episode of the Skift podcast features a discussion from a recent online Skift event. To join us and learn more about future Skift events, visit live.skift.com. Please welcome the founder and managing partner of Westcap Group, Lawrence Tosi, and the managing partner of CoLab, Alan Mask, in conversation with Skift senior research analyst, Seth Borko. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you all to our audience for sticking around. And LT and Alan, thank you so much for, for joining us. I'm really excited, looking forward to this conversation. Happy to be here. Yeah, and, and guys, in case you didn't realize, uh, LT, former uh, CFO of Blackstone and Airbnb, Alan is, is his investment partner at Westcap, which invests in, in Sonder and Airbnb and Hopper, other travel companies, and, and leads design and marketing firm, Colab. So um, LT, we had the pleasure of having you speak at our first ever short-term rental forum in person, if you can believe that, in 2019. Um, and we're gonna talk about the future of short-term rental, but um, I wanna kind of set the stage for how we got here. And, and in 2019, this is what you, uh, LT, had to say about the real estate cycle back then. So let's play that, that quick clip. And so from a real estate perspective, why is it such an attractive market right now? From the well, there's a couple things. Um, no surprise to anybody in the room. We are obviously all of the usual signs of a late cycle real estate market are right in front of us, um, and uh, it's there. You can see it in the expansion of cap rates, which are the multiples that businesses trade on when they're leaving, and you can see it with the absorption rates are slowing down, and um, you're seeing that more and more office, uh, uh, multifamily that's coming online are having a harder time leasing them up. That's being matched with the rise in, in short term. So multifamily, late stage cycle, multifamily having a hard time leasing up. At, where are we now? Where did we come from? Tell us about the real estate cycle, LT. Well, I guess I left out of there that there was a looming pandemic that about six weeks later would turn the world upside down. But if I had a crystal ball, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. Got it, got it. So um, that's where we were. I actually think there's some encouraging news on that front. In many respects, um, if you think about the housing cycle, housing values, housing availability, we were really in the 95th and up percentile late in 2019. And what's really happened is what I would call a great reset. In a, in a very concentrated period of time, you had a drop in occupancy, drop in rent levels, um, and you had obviously the, the disruption to the hotel industry, the short-term industry, and that disruption really reset things. So if you look at where occupancies, rents, and availabilities are right now, I'll leave aside short-term rentals, um, you're actually back to where we probably were in late 2017, 2018. So in a lot of ways, we really kind of reset where the market is. And so I don't feel it's the same frothiness. So you will see vacancies in some of the major cities uh, for multifamily. You'll also see cap rates have gone up, which is a sign of um, valuations cooling off a bit. And there's occupancy. And um, so rate and occupancy have come down. So I, I would say that as part of the pandemic, many markets have reset to below bubble levels. And so there's still growth to go. Now, that's very different, the impact on short-term rentals itself, but I would say the real estate market, to be specific to your question, feels like we've gone back in time and we're less late cycle. And I think there's actually quite a nice runway for recovery from here. And so let's 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 talk about the short-term rental. I think that late cycle frothiness was leading to some of the stuff uh, at that conference, things like big master lease companies. Uh, you guys are investors in, in Sonder. Sonder at the time had a bunch of competitors doing master lease that are not around anymore. Is, um, is master lease kind of dead now? What do you think? Um, so we have a couple of businesses in this space. I think as you mentioned, obviously we've been long-term holders in Airbnb. We're also investors in Sonder. We're also investors in Blue Ground, which is digital long-term rentals. Um, it's very interesting. So in 2019, 
Um, we could see inside of Sonder that Sonder's emergence as the market leader was having a definite impact on the other competitors. If you look at the rest of my comments that afternoon, I explained that you know these short-term rental businesses, you have to be expert in operations, real estate, digital. It's a wide range of skill sets that you need to be able to get right. You have to be able to literally underwrite buildings as well as, of course, operate them, uh, maintain them, and get the guests a great experience. And what we saw in 2019 was that the competitors of Sonder were starting to weaken and their gross margins were compressing uh, very, very rapidly. And that was a sign that Sonder was emerging as the clear leader uh, in its space. And we saw the same thing with Airbnb when it started to hit its great period of acceleration. You could see a weakening of its competitors, which is what happens when you have a dominant marketplace. So by the time we gave that speech in late 2019, we already could see that the other competitors were being less disciplined about the deals they were signing up. And when you sign up a short-term uh, rental deal, you can underwrite it. You should know at the time you do it what that lease should, uh, should, you should be able to perform on. And if you are wrong going into a lease, you're going to be wrong that year, the year after, the year after that. So by 19, as Francis Davidson and the Sonder team started to accelerate, you saw a real difference between the leader and everyone else. Um, and so, and also the other thing was with Sonder, uh, the way that the business is constructed was never long-term master lease. Those leases had several innovative clauses in them that allowed Sonder to, for example, adjust the price of the leases in a recession. And of course, six months after the pandemic hit, technically that's a recession because it's six months of negative growth. So we're able to reset a large amount. The, the leases are much more liquid. I guess to use that term that you think because there's certain clauses and outs with very little friction. So actually what Sonder was able to do was maintain and expand and accelerate its leadership position while its competitors were effectively going bankrupt. It's, it's, you know, it's obviously it's terrible. I hate to see any business with, with employees go out of business, but really it was becoming a, a winner take all market. What was interesting, Seth, was the pandemic accelerated that. So what was already happening to Sonder then, at, they were expanding their lead, accelerated with the pandemic, and they were able to go through, recut some leases where they needed to, and with very little friction, reshuffle, re if you will, their um, their portfolio. And now their lease capital and their term their term of leases is the lowest it's been in the company's history. And that's why you saw such demand for the business, and eventually it'll be a listed public company shortly. I mean, it's a great business that got greater. Uh, I'll finish with this last comment is, when you have a long-term adoption curve, and I, I encourage everybody to read the uh, Skift research that came out of short-term rentals. It's great. It's a great piece. Long-term technology adoption curves happen over time, but when there's a dislocation, they happen very, very fast. So what we saw was the market leader breaking away from the pack, just like Airbnb did in its market. You saw the market leader breaking away in its pack and solder, and when the pandemic hit, the acceleration happened even more. And now I would say the business is stronger today. They've, you know, three quarters of a billion dollars in the balance sheet. It is a fortress balance sheet, clear winner in the space uh, and an interesting business. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, LT, and thank you for the comment. I'll just remind the audience that we are actually going to take some questions. So if you have questions, please don't feel afraid to chat them. But in the meantime, Alan, I want to bring you into this conversation. Um, Alan, you you had a very large product marketing role at Airbnb. You helped launch Airbnb Experiences. You chief of staff at Sonos. You know this space well. Um, give us the update on, on I guess what's going on with that's the tech side, the investment side, the real estate side. What about the actual brands and the market and the product side? 
uh, alternative accommodations aren't so alternative anymore. What's, what does that mean for the space? Yeah, for sure. It's a great point. And I'll draft off what LT mentioned in terms of what we've experienced as this great reset or this big reset. And I think short-term rentals, especially and teams in this space, have a unique opportunity right now to right some of the wrongs that were happening or that we were experiencing leading up to the pandemic. You know, going into the pandemic, we realized across the board that our products were commoditized. We had minimally differentiated offerings. We had poorly merchandised offerings. Um, I remember even at Airbnb, anecdotally, you know, before we launched Plus and before we launched Lux and a lot of the other tiers, we used to talk about our inventory as one big t-shirt rack with coats and a bunch of different things on it, you know, and so that was something that Airbnb was able to pioneer a lot of the merchandising development and the way people think about their products, but that was something across the space that hadn't really been thought about often. Um, homogenous design languages, we had a lot of copycat activity, everybody put a big search bar on their homepage, and everything just started to look and feel the same. And so on top of the products being commodity what we also saw was that the audiences were generalized. Everyone was speaking to the same customer in the same way. And to your point on, you know, uh, short-term rentals being thought about as alternative, you know, I think that's changed so much now. And I think before, so much of the marketing, so much of the brand development, so much of the product development was relative or was in response to traditional offerings. And I think now we're starting to think a bit more absolute. And a couple other things I'll throw out as well. There have been some trends in business up to and through the pandemic that I think short-term rentals, companies in the space also have to respond to, the need to build direct relationships, the need for new merchandising, as I mentioned, the consolidation that happens in the space that we experience and we see after any sort of black swan event, and then partnerships and service integration really to deliver against customer expectations. And so a big thing I'd call out is that this reset has given our companies an opportunity to right a lot of those wrongs and enter this new normal in a totally different way. And we're really excited about it. So I, I, that was a, I love that answer. I was, I was taking notes. I have a couple points that I want to address in our conversation kind of got, so the first was you said about direct bookings. The second was about consolidation. Now, I don't know, we were gonna run a poll. I don't know if we have the results, if I can call for it just yet, but we were running a poll about consolidation in the space. Uh, will the short-term rental industry become more or less consolidated because of this crisis? And our audience is hotly divided here, 60-40 split, pretty, pretty, pretty close. What do you, what, what's the expert opinion here? Uh, is Sonder, Sonder's the breakaway leader. Is this going to be consolidated market or not? Do you want to start, LT? Okay, so, <laughs> so you defer to me. I was going to hope you go first out. Uh, so, no, I'm happy to. Uh, we, we actually, we're like-minded this because we've actually been talking about exactly this. I, I think there's two levels to it. I think that there are still home sharing companies and home sharing portals, et cetera. And there's still Airbnb, the dominant player. So I, I think it's, it's, it's both ends. Both, both groups are actually right. There will be dominant leaders who will emerge, but they won't have hundred percent market share. So it'll be, it'll be, when I say winner takes all, it's probably, it's probably not the right word. It's, it's the winner will have a dominant share and the rest will be fragmented and partially because short-term rentals are very, what we're seeing now, and I were talking about this yesterday, we we're both here together in New York. We're talking about like, there's some really cool innovations around, glamping and uh, and uh, airstream trailers and that will exist um, and, and that, that kind of let's call it specialization but for the general market it'll trend towards towards the winners and I mean in the, in the case of actually both Sonder and short-term rentals and Blueground and long-term rentals the stronger players have definitely gained momentum over the last year the, 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 the econ it's not even close the economics and that's what happens when you have marketplaces that dominate Al, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's spot on. I mean, I think naturally we're going to have some consolidation as as 
as a result of being in the pandemic, as a result of mergers and acquisitions, as a result of companies responding to what's happened. I think what we're also going to see is that the marketplace is going to demand some consolidation or at least simplification of offering. And that, that may not effectively mean that we see fewer brands or we see fewer players in the space. But as we move from alternative to, to preferred or to primary, um, as this becomes the new version of, of, of traditional, the future of traditional, I think what we're going to see is customers having a harder time differentiating between offerings. And so whether that happens through partnership, whether that happens through service integration, as I mentioned, whether that that comes into play as companies grow, or as LT said, the winners actually break away, we're absolutely going to see some consolidation and some simplification. And I think it's going to be really good for the businesses and most importantly for the consumers. So it was kind of a bit of a bubble in 19. Like everybody had their little short-term rental platform and the products really weren't that differentiated. Really what was differentiated was how you built the operations and if you will, the content behind the scenes. That's the piece that people miss. And when we saw um, different models, you have kind of tech investors crossing into a real estate world. Whereas, and we started seeing people doing underwriting things were like, that's just never gonna work. You know, that we got outbid, actually that's good because they're gonna lose money that leads forever. And so it actually was, was under the hood. Now I agree with Alan, I think now that you're down to kind of leaders in categories, now there's a, the fragmentation will come from specialization is what I think will happen. So we were with the differentiated content and what you're describing sounds very much to me, kind of like what happened in the hotel industry in the last couple of decades. Um, and the big fight, the big thing in the hotel industry now is the big distribution war, right? Uh, first party uh, direct versus third party uh, channels. Uh, just to stick with Sonder, just for an example, um, they almost doubled their direct traffic. I think it was like 30, 25, 30% direct to like 55, 60% direct. Is that sustainable? And is this really the future battleground for the short-term rental industry? Yeah, you're, you're right to draw the analogy. I saw this a little bit when I was at Blackstone, um, uh, the firm bought Hilton. And one of the thesis we had at the time was buying Hilton was to build up the Hilton Honors Program to get more direct traffic and frankly stop paying such a toll to the OTAs. And it was a very passionate uh, discussion because it's it's pure margin that you're giving up to the distribution. I think, I think rentals are different. I think actually there's, it, it, well, sure, during the downturn, there was a doubling of the direct traffic. There was also a tripling of the length of stay. And the longer stays, frankly, it's people understand you're, you're looking more specifically for a longer stay. You can go to the direct site. I think it will normalize back to a to more of a balance. I mean, when you look at, when you open Airbnb today, I mean, that's just, you're just not going to get that variety and that display anywhere. And so, no, I don't think, I think it'll strengthen, not weaken. Um, and I think that that the, the amount of direct will normalize, not continue to go. And, I, and I, it's much less of a, it's much less of a, um, of a hot point between these distributions than is hotels versus OTAs. They view the OTAs largely as commodity. That's a pricing discussion. They, they, I think it's much, you know, if you look at Airbnb and you look at their supply like that, you're not going to get that anywhere. You can, you can try to recreate it and just do professional listings or whatever, but in the end, it's much like Amazon or it's just, it's just so broad. It's hard to duplicate. Can I, um, can I jump on that Airbnb as a segue and talk about Airbnb a bit? Cause you're both Airbnb alum. You're both, uh, through Westcap Airbnb investors, um, you just said that that inventory Airbnb has. Uh, my question, I guess, is about Air their public company now, the second largest travel company in in the world. Uh, they're going mainstream. Um, how do they stop themselves from becoming, I guess, 
how can they continue to grow inventory, right? And still live like a local with, with 5 million listings? I guess that's so, the questions. Well, first of all, I think they are the most valuable uh, travel company on the planet. If they're not now, they will be. Um, the core to Airbnb, and I'm Alan, I'm interested in your view. Airbnb was built with heart and soul. It was built because the founders together believed that they could democratize travel. They had a much deeper mission than being an OTA. The word transaction was antithetical to the entire culture and remains that today. I've never seen a company where three founders could be so close and so complimentary and stick together for so long. And I don't think it's lost its soul at all. I think when you saw Brian Chesky made comments during the pandemic about how he wanted to get back to roots and he wanted to focus on individual hosts was the same thing that I had said in the fall of 2019 on, in this forum when I said their, their strength is the heart and soul, which is the hosts. And I think he was reiterating that that's where it is. I don't think that changes at all. I think they're just as driven by their mission today and their authenticity of how to get there. And if anything, I think rightfully so, they're really focused on the individual host because the economic impact um, life-changing impact of what they've done to those millions of hosts done with those millions of hosts around the world is remarkable. And I think that's just something that you can't recreate and nobody will ever recreate. And you can commoditize it and you can create your own version. It's, it's not. And I think that that business will accelerate more now as a public company than it ever has before. In my view. Couldn't agree um, with that. Couldn't agree with that more, LT. And I think one thing that's unique about about Airbnb is that it has two different fronts to manage, and they are related. So like we'll start on the piece about supply and about inventory. LT's right. Airbnb is a company that was started on the backs of hosts, by hosts, built for hosts, built by hosts. And Airbnb, if they continue to focus on what they've always focused on, which is building great supply, bringing passionate hosts to the platform, then they'll continue to grow. Like Airbnb will only scale as hosts believe in the model, as hosts bring their assets, as hosts bring their homes to the platform. And remember too that the Airbnb experience that we celebrate is really a host experience. Most of the of what happens on Airbnb is analog. That happens in people's homes. And so Airbnb as a culture brand, as we used to say, a brand that defined a generation. If we if they continue to tell that story, if they continue to deliver against that mission and continue to grow supply, it's not going to be because they've done something particular like specific or they pulled some certain lever. It'll be because people are catching on, people believe in the mission and people want to participate in it. But it's not just the supply that matters. Of course, you also have to treat hosts well. You have to make sure that hosts, you know, are able to run the business they want to run on the platform. And so there's the technology that really matters as well. You have to continue to evolve the technology. You have to continue to innovate on the platform. You have to continue to give host tools. You have to continue to integrate services and merchandise well so that customers and users can understand how to interact with the platform. And so Airbnb's challenge is made harder by the fact that it actually needs to innovate on both fronts. But Airbnb also has it a little bit easier in the sense that the business is really run by the people whose home you come into. And as long as they believe in the mission and as long as they tell the people to the left and to the right of them on the block, it's going to continue to grow if they do this well. But increasingly, those hosts are the Saunders of the world. So you're not you're not worried that that dilutes the experience, or they can manage it both, or they're really going to retrench on that um that host but that's, experience. That's also why I put so much emphasis um, so much emphasis on merchandising. You know, I've I've talked about that many times. You know, there is a totally a place on on Airbnb for other short term rental platforms. Blueground, for example, is distributed on on Airbnb. Saunder, for example, is distributed on Airbnb, as you know. And as an employee and as a customer, I've stayed on both through the platform when and where it makes sense. But again, that's where some of the innovation comes into play. It's not about throwing every single thing you can in front of a user. It's about curating an experience, and that's the role Airbnb has to play with the 
technology in the platform, but it'll always be a host dominated platform. That's its first promise. That's its first child. And, and I'm quite confident. I'm sure LT would agree that that will continue to be the priority. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's funny. You're asking a question we get asked a lot. I don't think it's an either or. And I don't think it ever was designed to be. It's, it's an and. It's, it's, I think you'll have professional hosts. And I think there's some use cases everybody on this call would say that if it's a short-term stay and you're in an urban business center, maybe a sauna makes sense because you know it's, it's you, you want to be in that particular location. And frankly, the saunas are built in a lot of places where Airbnb needed hotel-like licenses and, and supply. And, and one of the, the main tenants of sauna from the early days when we invested was every all supply is going to be legal. And so it fits very nicely. And you remember, Airbnb's got 7 million listings. I mean, you know, saunas are like... 15,000 listings way to 50, but it, it's quite diversified. And so I think both the, the distribution and viewing function is very different than where the supply comes. And I think Airbnb by its nature, its culture is inclusive in every way. And that means that a different type of operators are, are, are welcome. Um, it, their core happens to be the individual operator, you know, the individual homeowner, the host, but that doesn't mean that they will do that to the exclusion of choice for their, for their users. And that's why that brand is so powerful because it's powerful because of its inclusion. Uh uh, great answer. Alan, I, I wanted to actually something both of you said, both you, LT and Alan, you both have mentioned technology now. I want to bring the conversation back to the importance of tech to this industry. I actually wanted to loop in an audience question. It was Sonder specific, but I think it applies to, to the entire industry. This audience member said, is, is uh, Sonder partly a bet that major hotel companies are much farther behind on B2B tech adoption than is generally appreciated? And I think generally in the industry, I hear a lot more talk about revenue management in the short-term rental industry than I do about the hotel industry sometimes. So what do you guys think about tech adoption at short term uh, versus the, the big hotels? I want to go first or we go. Why don't you go, LT? I'll follow up. So I think I think a couple of things. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll hit the, the structural piece and the yeah. product piece, I think would be pretty cool. So structurally, the hotels actually have limitations with their franchisees of where they can place things. So actually, the the, the saunders of the world are are number one. It's it's a threat to their local franchisees and their brands to have have them in that market. One. Two, it's a very different experience. I mean, the Saunders experience is a beautiful experience. It's a design. It's a designed apartment. You've got more room. You've got amenities. Like it's, and that's why their NPS scores are so great, and their their customer loyalty is off the charts. So it's not like they're capitalizing on a short term lack of reaction by the major um, hotel companies. Quite the opposite. I think they've actually built a use case that didn't exist before, and it's not one the hotels I think can emulate. Um, but the technology piece is really hard. And, and once you start building a network of users, like the millions of users that have traveled on Sonder, and that becomes very, very valuable. We saw that during the pandemic, you saw these kind of repeat users, longer stays play through. So I think they've established and built a brand on their own, but it's not at the exclusion of the hotels. It's just an alternative offering. And, and there's a, a, a whole group, let me put this way. There's a whole group of consumers that grew up where Airbnb was totally typical. I can remember years ago when I was leaving Blackstone, my partners were like, what? Home sharing? We own more hotels than anybody that you liked? And I thought was, well, I think it's different. And they, they would say to me, well, we don't rent our hotel homes and we don't go to these. I'm like, I wasn't doing this for you. It's for all the people in the room that, that aren't sitting at the table that will spend their lives as, as kind of, if you will, home sharing first. 
that generation is growing up now and they're coming through and they're, they're and they're using these different, uh, different, uh, things. That's what the hotels probably is. They need to worry most about is that there's a whole, a whole raft of users that have figured out, I'm going to go to a property managed vacation home. I'm going to go to Sonder when I'm urban. They, and this is in the skipped research report that came out. They're thinking first about home sharing and then second about like hotels. And by the way, there will come a day. I hope we won't call it alternative <laughs> accommodations anymore because it's not the alternative. It's the reality. So sorry, I went on a little long. Alan, no, that, Alan, what's your thoughts on merchandising in the mainstream accommodations sector and how tech? Yeah, first, and one thing I'll flag too. I think we have to have a broader view of the power of this technology. Yes, the platforms are great to help us optimize the businesses, to make things more efficient, to make things more effective. But to LT's point, this new customer that's developing as these new preferences emerge, the technology is also supposed to create an experience, a booking experience. There's some imagination. There's some inspiration. We're finding that people are coming to these platforms to figure out where they should go and what they should do. And it's the role of the Airbnbs and the Saunders of the world to help them understand what the possibilities are versus I know I need to be here. I need to transact. Is there inventory available for me? Let me buy. And I think that's what a lot of the short-term rental companies that are doing technology well have realized that there's a totally different role for the technology to play outside of just optimizing pricing, outside of just optimizing how they manage their businesses. These customers, these users have totally different expectations when they hit a homepage for an Airbnb than they, when they when they hit a homepage of a Hilton. And that's another thing we need to focus on. And the winners will do that well. Yeah, I was going to tell, can I just want a really funny story? I remember a few years ago when I was, uh, Francis Davidson and I were out, we were raising money for Saunders. And I remember a very big hotel magnet saying to me, I could do that. And I said, okay, so you're going to find a data science and you don't know what that is from somewhere that you've never been to build technology you don't have to sell product you don't ever understand that's going to compete with your core product. And he's like, where do I sign? And he invested and I'm investing in Saunders. Like, exactly. It's just a different business. Yeah, the technology is about giving people an opportunity to start here versus finish here. And that's one thing that's really important to keep in mind. Love that, Alan. All right, we are we're running tight on time. I want to bring up one more topic and it's related to Blue Ground. Um, I want to talk about, about some corporate stays and some longer term stays about kind of remote work, digital nomad trends. How does that play into this whole whole market, guys? So maybe we'll do the same thing. I'll talk a little about the structure and then Alan we talk about product because Alan's spent an enormous amount of time on this. I would say um, Actually, short-term rentals and long-term rentals are really quite different. The mark, parts of the market you're disrupting are different. So Sonder is, frankly, disrupting traditional hotels. Blue Mountain is uh, disrupting corporate apartments. There's nobody's ever been to a corporate apartment that would say it's anything but sad. So they're kind of going after their own market. Um, the form factor, to use like a word that Alan taught me, the form factor of what they're doing is different. So Sonder will go and, and take a block, of, large block of apartments in a hotel-like environment. Blue Ground's going to look more like neighborhood environment and a small block of things because they're longer terminals. They're very quite different. There's very little overlap between the two. Really what Blue Ground's doing is they're disrupting the one-year lease. All, everybody on this call has gone through that terrible experience of find the broker, pay the broker, go to the place, sign the thing, get the background check, pay the processing fee, pay a one-month rent, which you don't have, to stay in an apartment you've never seen, to go get furnishings that you got to buy. They've changed that, and they've changed it down to a more flexible, kind of a, a um, start living now instead of all the hassle stuff. And so they're addressing a different use case problem, and it was remarkably resilient in the pandemic. I don't think their occupancy has ever dropped below like 92 or 94. And now the demand, because they're also, it's very much of a partnership with the landlords. The landlords, it's 100% occupancy. 
So landlords really like having this in there and you just can't recreate the type of digital marketing. But Al, what do you think? Because you've been doing a lot of the brand positioning with them. What do you think? Absolutely. I mean, I think, and to your specific question, Seth, I mean, I think we think remote work is is here to stay. And whether you agree with that or not, you can't help but look at what's actually happening on these platforms and not realize that behaviors are totally changing. Like a look at Airbnb's latest update, 24% of their bookings are non-traditional now. So that's non-urban versus urban core versus 14% in 2019. 25% of travelers are opting for off-peak seasons or days during the week. Remember that used to be business travelers. Now these are totally different travelers who are there as well. And, and I think what we're starting to see is that the Sonners of the world, the Airbnbs of the world are having to take pages out of the Bluegrounds book as people start to look for flexible living options, as we call it. Um, Blueground has a really fantastic product that they just launched, which I think does an amazing job of connecting their inventory in a way that we haven't seen across the industry. So Blueground Pass, think about this as tapping into some of those trends we talked about in the beginning of the conversation giving people new merchandising models, new purchasing models. Subscription businesses are all the rage right now, have been for some time as we know. Why not be able to get a 12-month subscription to a Blue Ground and have the opportunity to have a place in Milan, to have a place in Athens, to have a place in New York, to have a place in San Francisco and live your life on a short-term rental platform versus just use it to get a different type of vacation. And so again, whether you believe it's here to stay or not, we definitely think it is because of the efficiency that's happened. The culture of business is changing right before our eyes. We're seeing these platforms are having to respond to different user behavior and provide more of these options for what we call flexible living um, versus how they used it before, which was vacations, getaways, and the like. I think that's fascinating. Uh, we are unfortunately out of time. I would love to keep talking to you all, but uh, thank you, LT, Alan. Thank you so much for joining us, and we, we really appreciate the insights. No, Seth, thank you. Thank you for everybody skipped. I think you do a great job covering the, uh, the industry, and I don't think we'd be here without all the, the work that you've all done to bring light and transparency to the business, so thank you. Couldn't agree more. Huge fans. Thanks.